Hello and welcome to another episode of the Endeavor Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Bradkoff. Today's episode is another in our series on hacking your own SAT program. Today's episode is about space considerations, uh, where to hold your class on campus, or the type of room that would work best. Uh, So I'm going to hand it over to Neil, uh, who will be interviewing me once again. Thank you so much, and here's Neil. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Hacking Your Own SAT Program. Again, sitting here with the great uh, Jason Breikoff. Um, And today, we're going to talk about space considerations related to running your program. So what does that mean? So specifically within the classroom, um, how do you want to set up the space to run an effective SAT class? All right, so related to the, the space considerations, Jason, so if you were setting up just kind of an ideal class, right, how would you start from scratch? Like, you know, in a classroom, in a school, how would you set it up? Right, well, the first thing is what you just said, in a classroom. Yeah. I have had the unfortunate experience of teaching an SAT or ACT class in the cafeteria. Ooh. Yeah, on uh, on the stage in an auditorium behind the curtain. Uh, like it, the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and that is not ideal for the students. Yeah. Not only are you arranging temporary seating, but you have to bring in a, a, a rolling whiteboard or even a rolling chalkboard, yep. and it just creates this sense of it's not a real class for the students. Okay. So there's, it's less, uh, it's less, the students just don't feel like it's a real class, and they're, they're not as uh, in tune with what you're teaching, they're not as dedicated to the experience. Yep. It's just psychological, and it's not their fault. Yeah. Uh, so a real classroom is ideal, that's the first thing. And uh, modern technology is useful but not essential. Okay. So whether it's a plain uh, dry erase board or a, a true electronic whiteboard, yeah. that's not the biggest concern. Okay. Just some place that you can put stuff up on the board and uh, have notes. Okay. What I found useful, especially if you have materials that you've set up on the computer like a PowerPoint or... Uh, scans of real tests to show what it looks like for students is, a, is an overhead projector or projection system. Okay. And a lot of the electronic uh, whiteboards can be turned into screens. Yep. So if you have that system in your school, that's ideal. Yep. But again, that's money and not every school system has that level of technology. So just an overhead projector and a, and a pull-down screen. So you don't need one of those like Promethean boards or anything like that. I mean, you can just get away with just a chalkboard. And right. Need is a strong word. Right. Uh, is it helpful? Is it useful? Again, that's the whole point of technology, in my opinion, is if it's making things more efficient and saving time and energy, then it's useful and it's great. Yeah. But it's not essential. Yeah. Uh, I've taught this class with a literal, you know, classic green or black blackboard chalk and a group of students and and the book okay what about um computer lab right so some schools you know the only space they have available during the day is a computer lab yeah is it helpful is it not helpful would you just stay away from it i mean what are your thoughts on that you know sometimes you don't have a choice okay uh but if you do have a choice i don't think currently the computer lab is the best choice. Okay. Why? Well, because a lot of times computer labs are set up 
and again, for the folks listening uh, on the audio podcast and not watching on YouTube or any other video channel, you can't really see my hands, but the computer lab, a lot of times it tends to be set up where the computers are facing the wall. Yeah. And they're along the wall because that's where the power sockets are. You can't necessarily have the computers in the middle of the oh, room right, right. or set up like a traditional classroom where all the materials are facing the front of the room where the teacher is there with the whiteboard or blackboard. Yep. So now you have a situation where the teacher is at the head of the classroom and all the students are facing away. Okay. And so that makes it challenging to communicate this type of program. Yep. The other thing is that currently, neither the SAT nor the ACT is a, pap- is a computer-based test. Yep. They are currently both paper-based tests. Yep. Now I say currently because the ACT has been promising for the last half a decade to turn the ACT into a computer-based mm-hmm. uh, test, not just computer-based, but computer-adaptive, okay. just like the GRE. And if right. you're a parent or teacher at home and you've taken the GRE, you might have experienced a, a computer-adaptive test. Yeah. Um, but their trials, I believe they were in Tennessee and Kentucky, yeah. failed miserably. The computers crashed or never enough computers. Yes. So it pushed them back. They were supposed to launch that by 2015 okay. when they announced it in 2012. And it's now 2018 and it's still not happened. Mm-hmm. So they say it's coming in three years, but they've been saying it's coming in three years every year. So that's the ACT people. The SAT people have hinted that they want to do that, but I think they're waiting to see if the ACT people can pull it off before really pulling the trigger on it. Mm-hmm. That's at least my opinion. I don't know that for a fact. No inside you know, dope or little birdies telling me anything. Okay. Um, so they're both paper-based tests currently, so the computer is not as important for the average student. Okay. Obviously, there are students who get accommodations, mm-hmm. and a plausible and viable accommodation is that some students get to type the essay mm-hmm. on a computer. And having computers available, a Chromebook, a laptop, a tablet, might be helpful for those individual students, but I don't think it's necessary currently for the entire class. Okay. What about practice tests? Right? So, you know, I mean, what, um, you know, so we've run many programs, right, across schools. And, and I can tell you, like, we've had practice tests done in cafeterias, we've had practice tests done in classrooms. I mean, what, what's your suggestion? I'm actually a lot more flexible about practice tests. Okay. Um, really, it's about noise. But what's, the, what's the best, if you could, from scratch, right? Like, I mean, what would be the best situation for a practice test or, yeah? You know, that's a good question. Uh, and again, it depends on the school. Again, I, I am really flexible about that. It depends on what space you have. A cafeteria is fine for that. Yeah. The big thing for me is making sure that it's quiet. Yeah. So during the school day might be a problem. Yeah. So a weekend practice test or an after school practice test mm-hmm. might work for that. But again, I don't recommend after school practice tests because the students are tired. Yeah. Uh, the other part of that is that if you have separate classrooms, Usually now only one teacher, proctor, can keep an eye on those students. So there's both good and bad about that. So if you do have the situation where you're doing a school-wide sophomore year or junior year practice test, you need to have enough proctors for the classrooms, however many you're going to have, plus at least one extra who can float and spell proctors for bathroom breaks. Got it. Just like they do, the college board does for real tests. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you do it in a giant space like a cafeteria, the benefit to that is that 
all the proctors are kind of floating and they're there to cover each other much more easily. Yep. But again, you're in a giant space. It's hard to keep track of students. You've got to separate them. How much space do you have? So there's positives and negatives to both setups. And I think both are equally viable. I actually don't have a preference. Yep. And, and actually, something I just want to touch upon that you were just saying is, so during the day, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if a school is wanting to build a program that's going to be running during the school day, when during the day is the right time to offer a test prep class? Because test prep material is, you know, it's, there's a lot to get through. Right? right. And so what's kind of the right frame of mind? Because we've run programs where they're in the morning, they're in the afternoon, and, you know, I mean, we've seen different results. So, I mean, what would you suggest? Well, this is something that I think a lot of schools already struggle with yep. in terms of the daily schedule. I mean, I know from my personal experience teaching in-school programs, both here and for uh, other companies in my history, that the last period of the day is the worst. Okay. It's the 2 o'clock or 2.30 class that ends at 3 o'clock. Those students are done. Yeah. They're burnt. Yeah. Um, and the thing about test prep is that it's not what they're used to doing in class every day because it's not knowledge-based instruction. Yep. Yep. It's much more about problem solving. So yep. they're really exercising a part of their brain they're not necessarily using in their other classes. Yep. And I'm not saying test prep is harder than chemistry or physics or calculus. It's certainly not. Yep. The material is of a lower level than these high-level classes. But it's not about the level of the material. It's about approaching it from a completely different direction. It's like if you were... If your school is lucky enough to have a study skills course that maybe your guidance counselor teaches or one of the other teachers, one of the other teachers teaches, that course is incredibly important and not like any of the other more knowledge-based classes. Sure. And again, you don't want to teach that the last period of the day. That's true. Um, the other thing is right before after lunch right. is less, both before and right before and after lunch is less ideal yeah. than in, like a middle of in between. So, yeah. but again, not as bad as the last period of the day. Yeah. Early in the day is fine. I mean, they're fresh, but you know, they're cranky yeah. when they just get there. But I think, so, that's, I think that's kind of the key point though, right? Is that the material that you're learning and that you're practicing in test prep is different than these knowledge-based courses, right? Yes. So you want to just kind of be somewhat mindful of that. Right. Again, the big thing I would recommend is try not to do it the last period of the day. And again, if you have a rotating block schedule, yes. that's going to come up. And, but that won't be consistent. That'll be like that one time out of every five or 12 classes, it's the last period of the day. Yeah. That's okay. okay. Uh, but if, it's, if you have a, a more standard schedule where the students are always, like B period is always you know, 9.15 to 9.59, yeah. that means that that last period of the day is always ending at 2.30 or 3.15 or whenever, I wouldn't recommend the test prep class for that. Well, great. Okay. Well, that's pretty much it for, uh, for this one. As always, questions, comments, please leave them below, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Neil. That was another great conversation that you and I had, and I'm glad to share that with all the listeners at home. One thing that we didn't talk about that occurred to me a couple of hours later was what if you're not at a school, what if this is a homeschool uh, situation or you're working with a nonprofit and you're not at a school building, uh, my recommendation would be to invest in some dry erase boards. Um, you can get a pretty decent sized one and some dry erase markers from a place like Staples, etc., for not too much money. And that I think would be the best uh, tool if you're in a really low tech environment. So anyway, if you have any other questions, uh, about what we talked about today, about you know, the hacking the SAT program, or about what we've talked about in previous episodes of the podcast, feel free to hop onto Twitter and hit us at EndeavorPod. That's our Twitter handle. And if you leave me a message there, uh, 
you know, mention me or tweet at me. I will get back to you as soon as possible. I get notifications when that happens. You can also leave comments on uh, iTunes if you're an iTunes listener, although I don't check that as often, so I won't get back to you as quickly. Um, you can also uh, like us, heart us, star us, whatever your podcast episode of choice does to show that you like what's going on. That helps other people find us. And also, as always, you can subscribe so you can get the episodes right away. And that way you're up to date on uh, what's going on in the world of education. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. And as always, let's keep learning.